0: This is the Insulon Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode...
1: Because I understand when people say they're scared of diabetes, they're scared of lows, you know, they're scared of complications. There's a fear, there's a deep fear, you know, that goes with it within all this that others will never, ever understand. But
0: before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone Podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. What's happening? Welcome back to another episode of the Insulone Podcast with myself, Owen. And as always, it's a pleasure for me to have your ears for the next hour, hour and a half for the amazing guest that we have. So the guest that I have today is Mr. Martin Santiz. And he is living in Long Island in New York. And Martin was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 22. And admittedly, Martin describes throughout this episode that he hugely struggled with diabetes initially when he was diagnosed. And he felt as if his life was over. He felt as if he could never live his quote unquote normal life again. Until about six months into his diagnosis, Martin had a very tough and very honest conversation with himself in the mirror. And this seemed to be the turning point for Martin. And since then, he has become a coach for type 1 diabetics around the world. He's helping them better their health and understanding of their condition. He is a massive advocate for healthy and happy living with type 1 diabetes. And as you will hear throughout this episode, for Martin to be able to look back and say he's now in a better place than he was prior to being diagnosed is, in my opinion, incredibly inspiring. So I'm really looking forward to you to listen to this episode. I really enjoyed recording it. So here we go. Let's get stuck in. Enjoy. I suppose the first thing I want to ask you, Martin, is how did you manage your initial diagnosis? Because you talk a lot about the mental side of things and kind of coping with it emotionally. So how did you find that as a 22 year old being thrown into this new life?
1: Yeah, so you got. I gotta give you a little bit of a backstory about myself, just so you can kind of see the situation I was in because I feel like I got diagnosed at a very unique time in my life, okay? So to give you a little bit of background just with my health in general, okay, because this has to do a lot with why I eat the way I eat. Um, so most of my life, you know, I got diagnosed at 22 years old. I'm 26 now, about to turn 27. I, most of my life from, from I'd say from, Until like 19 years old, I was always a chubby, short kid. Okay. So, like, health was not like I was not a healthy person at all. Okay. So, and what I mean, healthy, I mean, I would eat whatever came my way. And that has its consequences. I didn't work out, you know, and that brought all my self issues in high school where I felt like I wasn't good enough because I was short and I hit puberty so late and I, and I was, you know, like unhealthy, you know, you look at yourself, I, I would look at myself in the mirror. I was just, wasn't happy with the person I saw. And then after high school, I had a whole transformation where I lost a ton of weight, right? I, I, to, I'm i not going to make it too long because I, I think I could talk forever. So I I I lost like, I'd say 30 pounds, right? I disappeared a year. Like I disappeared from my friend group and everything. I like went to the gym, started looking at nutrition, completely lost weight. And I, my self-confidence started peaking through the roof. So then I come back to my friend group and everybody's like, wow, look at you. You lost so much weight. Now I did that. I went through that health journey. Keep in mind, I still didn't have type one diabetes. So this is, this is where it gets interesting. I still didn't have type one diabetes. Then the main reason, my main goal was I want a six pack. And don't judge me on this, okay? Nobody judge me on this. I wanted a six-pack because I wanted a girl. So I said, if I get a six-pack, oh, forget about it. I'll get get a girl. I'll get a girlfriend. You know, I'll I'll fall in love. And then I was this hopeless romantic. So it it happened. I got the six-pack, but then what? I got the girl, and then I gained weight, and then I lost weight, and then I gained weight, and then I lost weight, and then I gained weight. And then I get diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. So that's the little little bit of the background. Okay. So that I feel like health in general, there's a big difference between health and fitness. Hmm. And I feel like, yeah, to start off with it, that's like a little bit of background. So I get diagnosed with type one diabetes at 22. And when I was diagnosed with type one diabetes, I was also already living on my own. So I didn't have my parents I, I was actually living with my brother in a basement apartment and we were living the ultimate life. Like it was amazing. Everything was going good. I had a very good job, nothing diabetes related, nothing health related. I was working in, a, in an AV technology company, audio visual. We used to uh, set up TVs and and sound systems. and And I was working first as a service assistant. I started climbing my way up the ladder. And then I became like, the right-hand man of the guy who ran operations. And I was always a very ambitious person. So, you know, they started giving me more money, more responsibility, I moved out. And then 22 years old, I thought I was invincible. (laughs) I started started losing weight and all of a sudden, I get diagnosed with type one diabetes. So that's where my kind of story starts with type one diabetes.
0: So did you think that, as you say, you were kind of living the life up to this point, you had a really good job, making good money, living in an apartment with your brother, did you think when you got this diagnosis like boom this is my life over to a certain extent this is just everything done.
1: put on hold done crumble crumble okay like 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 I'm talking about there was there was this is, was the worst thing that had ever happened to the point that I suffered so much depression and I t- and I speak this with so much passion because I understand when people say they're scared of diabetes, they're scared of lows, you know, they're scared of complications. There's a fear, there's a deep fear, you know, that goes with it within all this that others will never, ever understand. For example, when I got diagnosed, they kind of gave me a crash course about type one diabetes. They gave me insulin and they didn't really explain everything very well. And I don't know. I I was just like when I would inject myself with short acting insulin, I would start feeling. Like I was having a low, but it was a panic attack. It was all mental. So like I would inject myself with short acting insulin. I I would, I would count the carbs, right? Everything. Oh, you know, 30 grams, two units. That's my ratio, 15 to one count, you know, and I would sit there and after 30 seconds of injecting the insulin, I kid you not, I would just feel like I was going low and my hands would start shaking and it was just panic attacks. And I would check my meter. My my sugar levels would probably be, you know, 130. And then I would just shove as much carbs down my throat because I was just scared. (laughs) So it was like a lot of of that. And to me, that wasn't normal. I was like, wait, (laughs) what happened to me being invincible at 22 years old? You know, like having ultimate life. Now I can't even, I can't focus on anything. My only focus is on my sugar levels. I couldn't focus on anything else. To the point that it just, it was sucking the life out of me. I, I felt like so depressed that, I, I couldn't even smile. It was like, I it's it's even hard to explain at this point because I'm not there anymore. But I was just so broken. I couldn't even I couldn't even recognize who I was when I would look at my my actions. You know, it was like, what am I doing? And it was just constant that, like a a, a very deep depression.
0: And was this like? An instant response to your diagnosis, yeah. Because, instant. instant. I suppose that the the unique, if for lack of a better word, the unique thing about type one diabetes is, it's not. There's no gradual introduction to it. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. well, one day I'm quote unquote normal, and then the next day I've type one diabetes to a certain extent,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's like yesterday I didn't have to inject insulin every time I eat. But today I do. So was this almost as overnight in terms of your own like mental response as it was a physical one?
1: So so this is what this is what happened. So I get I get diagnosed, right? As soon as I get diagnosed, I don't. I get into this depression and what was causing, because I realized now what was causing the depression. I, I realized what was going on. I didn't know that there was a way out. I'm someone that if there's a problem, I need to figure that problem out. And if I don't figure that problem out, I can't focus on other things. So for example, for me, if I didn't figure out my type one diabetes, like it was always going to burn me inside. And and again, I I help a lot of type one diabetics and everybody goes through their own unique journey. And there's people I talk to, at least at this point, hundreds and hundreds of type ones. And I see how people can just go on this, like, I don't want to say neglection, avoidance, but at the end of the day, that's what it really is. You know? And for me, it was like, I, this is not my normal, you know, it's like, I need to be at a state of mind where I feel peace with my reality. I can't just pretend anymore. I think the way I looked at it was such a an instant thing where it's like okay, I need to figure out the solution to this, but what was what was causing that it was that I didn't know that I could there is a solution. Okay, there is no cure, but there is a solution and that's you know, I'll get more into that, but I feel like that's fully understanding and mastering your blood sugar levels and keeping them in a normal way so you avoid diabetic complications. I feel like that's the solution. You know, so when I understood that, that helped me relieve the depression because I felt like there was light at the end of the tunnel. And then I felt hopeful. And again, it was my mindset is still the same when it comes to my type 1 diabetes and my health. It's my biggest priority, you know, and it, it has been from the start. And I feel like that's what enables me to have the results that I have because I believe that it's the first thing is mindset when it comes to everything um but yeah
0: so how long was it for you then martin from when you were diagnosed and almost instantly being in this as you say yourself this extremely dark place mentally how long was that period until you felt as if wow there is a solution to this or there is a way that I can get my life
1: back. I'd say it took me, let's see. It was December when I get diagnosed. <sighs> okay. So that's a very good question. I think it took me around six months to understand that there is a way out. Like the, the, the it took me like six months to to gain the information, the research. Now in those six months, I want to say every single day I was doing my research. Like I was going on Reddit forms. I was, I realized that my medical team wasn't actually helping me. So I was like really going into that. Now in those six months, I gathered that information and, and I started making adjustments in my own way of managing and then I still have that doubt where like, okay, can I really sustain this? Because other people started filling my mind with doubt. So it was like, okay, is this really possible? You know, so it's like a very interesting, now, like throughout, it's been over four years now. And like, I realized that like, I feel certain that it is possible, you know? So it's like, over the time, it builds more and more and more and more the confidence in that.
0: How would you describe that feeling from and i don't know how you might articulate this but i suppose the the transformation in your own head about this is me this is my life done i'm finished i can't do anything as normal like i used to no oh, okay, and then transitioning okay. into the okay, way yeah, you were yeah. six months nine months a year later what did that feel like
1: okay so there's actually there's actually an exact time, and I can remember this time till today vividly. I can remember this day. And it was it was when I got diagnosed, I again, I was in this really, the darkest hole. It's hard to even explain because there was just so much fear involved. And it was just, picture it like this. It was just like constant fear of dying. It was constant fear of dying, constant fear of dying. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. My thoughts were just diabetes, diabetes, to the point that I, I started, I feel like I started driving myself crazy. You know, it was, it was, now it was so bad that one night, and and I believe it was like three months, four months into my diagnosis, right? One night I was like broken. It was, I, I couldn't sleep and I was just broke. I had a mental breakdown. I, I like, I was crying, like crying. I wake up, get out of bed, like, like get out of my, I wasn't even sleeping. I run to the bathroom. I turn on the lights in the bathroom. I look at myself in the mirror and I'm just so broke. I see my face. I don't even recognize the person in the mirror. My eyes are red. And like, I'm just in, in this really, really, really bad place mentally where again, I was having, I want to say. And I and I say this to help others. I was actually having suicidal thoughts too, because it was so it was such such pain, it was so much pain in, in those moments. I looked at myself in the face and I'm and I told myself, I said, I cannot continue like this. I cannot and 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 it was like a conversation I was having with myself. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror, I close my eyes, and when I close my eyes, I see a vivid picture of my mom. Right? And When I see that, again, it just does something. Emotionally, it did something to me. I opened my eyes and I said, I will not let this. And then I started cursing. You can imagine everything. I said, I will not let this effing disease steal away my happiness. I will not let my mom see me suffer because of this. I will not not let this stop me from living the life that I knew I want to live, that that I want to have. And it was just like, you know it was just a bowl of energy. And then that momentum, it was like that day. It was when that day I decided, decided to say, I'm going to look for all the information I can screw my doctor because they were, I'll be honest. Like I love them. They were awesome people, very nice people, but the information was like, they were giving me was just, just garbage. Like it was just, Hmm. it was just not, it was not useful at all. And it, and, and like, when I would ask them questions, they, they were just, the way they would dodge him was just so skillfully, and I talked to diabetes educators, I talked to endo, I talked, I talked to dietitians, I talked to everyone, and, and the way they would they would describe things, it was like like eh, you know until I stumbled upon, and uh, a book, and that book changed my life was, uh, "Diabetes Solution" by Doctor Bernstein, and then yeah. Again, I could talk forever. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm very passionate about this. I'm
0: loving it, Martin. Honestly, and I, I appreciate your honesty around how you were feeling and your experiences throughout this time. And I know for anybody listening, we all have different experiences when it comes to our diagnosis and how we deal with it. And there could be somebody listening right now who is even feeling that exact way as you did. And yeah. to hear your honesty and to hear how you're even explaining it so vividly, I know it's going to help a lot of people out there. So I appreciate you being so honest. Of course. Of course. And even with that, Martin, was there a reason for all of that fear? And what I mean by that, had you heard stories of people who had died or had you heard stories of people who had suffered complications because, as you say yourself, the stress and the anxiety and the worry was coming from and was stemmed from that fear. So Mm -hmm. what do you think that fear had come from? Or do you feel as if it was you, in a sense, kind of catastrophizing the whole event?
1: So it was two specific type of fears, okay? The fear, For me, the biggest fear that I had was the fear of low blood sugar levels. To me, when they told me if I inject too much insulin, I could pass out. And then they handed me glucagon, and they told me, yeah, so, you know, just in case, this is how you use this. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 wait, what? Like that for me, whereas that fear was just instantly like until I got comfortable with my insulin so that's how I was that the initial fear was the fear to me it wasn't normal that I could inject too much insulin and die and that that gave me anxiety that gave me a ton of it's like almost as if I was like like literally gonna die if I inject it was it was I couldn't focus on anything else so that's the first fear the second fear was the fear of actual diabetic complications again and I'm thinking 22 years old and I can have diabetic complications, and at that time, that fear was so intense because my grandma uh, with type two diabetes actually uh, she had a really bad cut in her leg that wouldn't heal, right? And again, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get intense with these uh, with these stories because I want I I want my situation I feel like led me to where I am now. So my grandma with type two diabetes. Uh, very uncontrolled sugar levels, very unhealthy. The way she ate, uh, didn't take care of herself that much. But she had a cut on her, like didn't heal. And I would watch my mom every single day have to go clean that cut up, because uh, I, we 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 all live in the house. So I would watch my literally my mom have to go through that, and I would watch my mom also ha- like cry, cry because it was so much work for her. And I thought to myself, ready, me not knowing this is this is this is new to me old. I said, so that could happen to me in five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And again, that thought, those thoughts caused these like really painful fears. Now, it was fear that at the end of the day, it was caused by myself. And there's a way out of those fears, (laughs) thankfully, you know, Mm. But those were the two initial fears, yeah.
0: Going back to how you were initially, let's say, educated about the impact of low blood sugars. Looking back on it now, Martin, how do you feel you should have been told? Or how do you think you would have been told in a way that may have benefited you rather than kind of stressed you out and and given you that anxiety?
1: That's a very good question. That's a very, very good question. I I think it's kind of hard because I feel like I had to experience it. If I didn't experience it, I would never know. And if someone could tell me something, but it would still like, even as much information as you get, I think it would be, it would be, for me, it would have been difficult unless I actually went through the movements and had a low and had the feeling and, you know, ran to my sugar tablet and realized that okay, I made it. You know that that for me, I think is the best way. If someone would have told me like they're not that big of a deal, and like they actually had type one diabetes, and then, when I say they're not that big of a deal, obviously they are. But you know, sometimes we we you know we it's good to be a little tough love with each other you know, it's like, okay, we have a, we have a low, you know, it's you know, how long are we going <laughs> to, how long are we going to like, let that ruin the rest of our day? You know? And I can tell you from when I have a low, it only takes me 20 minutes to get right out of it.
0: <laughs> mm.
1: So it's like that tough love. Again, I feel like it would have helped me in my sense too.
0: Did you, or do you still Martin consider your type one diabetes more of a mental condition than a physical one? or both evenly?
1: Man, I, I feel like this overall type 1 diabetes is a mental, physical, spiritual, it's like, it's everything. It's everything. It, if you do this good, everything in your life, I think, falls into place. Like, it's it's weird to to even say that, but I'm happy now with type 1 diabetes. I'm happier with type 1 diabetes, and I say this with, certainty and confidence i'm happier now with type 1 diabetes than when i didn't have it i feel like my life has way more purpose way more meaning i feel like i'm in the best shape of my life socially i it's amazing career-wise again amazing health-wise amazing it's just i have to deal with you know this and it, it humbles me in a way
0: did you think you'd ever be able to say something like that looking back
1: no never absolutely <laughs> never i would i would say this you're absolutely crazy what are you talking about <laughs> never
0: yeah amazing It just goes to show you massive credit to you already in the short space of time how you have completely flipped everything around what i'm curious to know and i suppose for me even coming from like my own personal standpoint i view it as just as much a mental as it is a physical because obviously we need to check our blood sugar and take our insulin and carb count and exercise and do do these various physical things but in my opinion and when I think about my own management those things don't get done properly unless I'm clued in properly mentally to it so for me and I know we were chatting briefly before we even pressed record you have to have that mental side to it so that you constantly ensure that you're doing the physical side.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and I I hate that I'm probably going to get like some, like some heat for this, but I feel like, and again, back to this mental, you got to be mentally tough. Like you're dealing here with a disease that you know, that you have no cure. Like, this is not a joke. This is not like, Mm -hmm. Oh, do I feel like doing it today? Do I on you know like that's and i guess it's my upbringing too like you got to be mentally tough you got to be able to take the storm that the storm is there you know you gotta you know there's gonna be good days there are gonna be bad days but i believe it's all the way you look at it
0: how do you deal with and i suppose i'm gonna frame this question in the way that for me i have my normal life headspace And then what I call my diabetic life headspace, where like in my normal life, it's my work and my family and the things I want to do and my friends and stuff. And then my diabetic headspace is, you know, what am I actually saying to myself? What do I want for my blood sugar? What do I have to do today to be where I want to be blood sugar wise? And sometimes, as you know, firsthand, Martin, that diabetic headspace can sometimes be good and sometimes be bad you know yeah. so how would you deal with or how have you dealt with your own let's call it negative diabetes self talk
1: so i think i i cut that out out of my life completely like there's i i told myself there's no space for that there's no space for that i don't i don't even give that energy because as soon as soon as i say okay you know, look at my life. You know, like, what my sugar level is high. You know, oh, I had another low, and then you just kind of start digging a digging a little hole, and and you know, if you dig the little hole a little bit, you know, you come out of it within thirty minutes. Or you come out of it within a day, or what? However, I I feel like it's not it's not a good way to base it on. So as soon as I have a thought, I feel like I just I just don't give that. No, that's just a thought. And I, again, I'm big on meditation. And I feel that sometimes those thoughts come up, but I feel that it comes to the way you energize those thoughts, you know? And again, I, we all, as a type one diabetic, you, you can, you can put it more excuses than anybody. I feel like, because let's be honest, it's, it's, it's very complicated. It's very complex. There's, there's so much that goes into it and people will never understand. But I don't give I don't allow myself to fall into that negative talk because I know once I get myself in there, and I can really get myself in there because I I'm I'm crazy with my thoughts sometimes. But I I, I don't even go there. I, I nip it right in the butt really fast.
0: And is there any sort of tactic or technique you use to nip it in the bud? Like let's say, for example, you're sitting around and you're working on your laptop and you feel as if that's those sort of thoughts are coming into your head do you get up and go for a walk do you meditate do you do something yeah. else like for anybody listening who may be let's say dealing with those sorts of thoughts at the moment or they have done or maybe they will be in the future yeah. is there any sort of advice you might offer them to avoid that or to be able to nip things in the bud?
1: yeah so so I think it comes down to when when that I believe also my habits that I set, like, for example, you know, you work out, right. You work out, you, you eat the way you eat. I feel like we as people are habitual. And I feel like if, like, for me, those thoughts don't really tend to come up, you know, when, when I'm working, it's, it's hard to say, but I, I feel like it stems from something else. If you're constantly having those thoughts. Now, if, if, they, if those thoughts come out frequently, then I feel like there's an, there's a, Underlying bigger issue here that you have to confront, you have to accept. But if it's something that you know comes up, yeah, I mean, get up for go for a walk. You know, give yourself a break. You know, self love. Give yourself patience. You know, if you mess up, who cares? You know, as long as you're trying. You know, ninety percent of the time, ninety-five percent of the time. You know, that five percent. Who cares? You know that. It's, I believe it's the the relationship you have, you know, and, and the relationship I have with myself, I'm very loving with myself. Like as people, I have very good sugar level control, but I'm also very, okay, I screwed up. Damn it. Like, that's it. Okay, cool. Let's, let's try again. You know, and, and to me, it's mm. just, it's, it's not, it's, it's a whole different mentality. I feel like that I go be, about it. Mm. I hope that helps. That was, that, that was a good it was a good question but I'm I feel like I can't really give you know it's like two separate people you know what I mean it's yeah. like a lot of different factors Of course. Yeah.
0: Absolutely and you hit the nail on the head you know saying about if something goes wrong just take it on the chin or <laughs> move forward and and I think for me and what I always say to myself or what I always say even on this podcast and specifically to my clients who I work with is You're never going to have perfect diabetes management. And it's important that every type 1 diabetic realizes that. It's never going to be perfect all the time. That's just a fact. Exactly. Exactly. And in my opinion, the closest thing to perfect management is understanding that it's not going to be perfect and that you understand how you should respond to highs and lows because they are inevitable. And I know that. If I have a high or if I have a low and I react badly to it and I stress out and I freak out and I throw in the towel, that only affects me. Whereas oh, yeah. if I say to myself, I've had a high, I've had a low, let me treat it and let me say, right, why did that happen? Because yeah,
1: exactly, exactly when you know
0: why these things happen, it's almost like you're filling your toolbox more and more and more and more and more so that you have more tools to deal with things more and more and more and more and more as time goes on so and it was actually one of my clients who said to me she did a a, a diabetic camp as a child years ago Mm -hmm. and she said to me one of the camp leaders or whatever they were said there's no such thing as a good or bad blood sugar it's just information and it's Mm -hmm. our responsibility essentially to do what we have to do with the information that we can gather from it.
1: Yeah, exactly. 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 I I, I feel like, I feel like it comes to the point. It's, it's very personal thing. It's a very personal thing. And I feel like first, like you said, there is no perfect, there is no perfect. And the key here, there is also no comparison. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's no comparison with everyone's different. And like you said, it's, it's, when these bad things happen, it's like, how do you take it? You know, it's like, like for me, bad things happen all this, all the time, you know, it's like all the, all the time. But I just, and and again, it's, it's hard because nobody sees it. Nobody understands it. You know, nobody, but for me, it's just like, okay, it's a, and this is, I feel like what makes me very, again, good at my own diabetes management because I can speak for myself. I feel like what makes me very good is that I compete against myself. To me, this is a fun game. I love this. I absolutely love taking care <laughs> of my blood sugar levels because it makes me healthier than everybody around me. It, I feel like like a complete animal. like a, I go to the gym, I feel good. I like I, I go out, I feel good. like I just feel like this does something to your aura that people just are, it's like, they're magnetically attracted to you. Now, again, if you hide it, and if you pretend like you don't even have it, and then you, again, it's just, I'm someone that's very, also my personality is very like that. Like I'm very outgoing. Like I don't, if I go out, I don't mind injecting in public. Again, everybody's journey is different. Not everybody's like me, but I feel like the key here is, it's you and yourself here. There's no other, you're not competing against him. who cares what your doctor says? Who cares what Joe Schmo, your mom, your dad, brother, sister, cat, dog, nobody, doesn't matter. This is <laughs> you against yourself. Mm. And what are you going to do with the situation that presented in front of you? Okay. And, and, and that's, you know, the reason why you are, you look the way you do, my friend is because you work out, <laughs> you know, you, you, you're, you're, you you're strong because you go to the gym and you lift weights, you know? And if, you look at it like that, it's like the more I continue working on my blood sugar levels, just the healthier, the benefits I'm gonna reap. I see people that don't have diabetes. They're slow. They eat, they eat certain things that slow them down, you know? And again, let's. we didn't even get to talk about the food situation yet, which I'm getting excited on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a good one. <laughs> that was part one of my chat with Martin. As you know, if you are listening on the day of the release, part two will be out tomorrow but if you're listening on any other day part two is going to be the next episode on our list so enjoy that one and thank you for listening to part one